Today, documentary films are experiencing a major renaissance, and for good reason. But why are audiences increasingly choosing fact over fiction? Is it a dearth of realism, like endless comic book sequels and end-of-the-world action movies? Are viewers choosing authentic storytelling over spectacular visuals and far-fetched plots? Or maybe it's because docs f***ing rule. Hi, I'm Paco Romain. And I'm George Chen. And we host SupDoc. We didn't go to film school. We're just two comedians that dork out on docs. And since 2015, we've been recapping amazing documentaries with comedians, actors, and filmmakers like legendary comedians Dana Gould and Todd Glass. Musicians like Yacht and Dan Deacon. And even media stars like Jesse Thorne and Francesca Fiorentini. The AV Club called us enlightening, and Boing Boing said SupDoc is a great idea for a podcast. So find us wherever you get your podcasts or join us at SupDocPodcast.com. And follow us on social media at Subdoc Podcast. In Southern California, just outside Hollywood, there is a most unusual hotel. A hotel dedicated to the golden age of cinema and the departures of its most influential and notorious players. It is a destination that spotlights the manners in which these men and women of Hollywood perished. From comedian Alvin Keeney's accidental fall from the balcony of the Trip Towers in New York, to the brutal murder of harpist Ann Peters at the Bastion in New Orleans. The rooms are decorated with an array of evidence and clues unique to each death, and fitted with a cast of department store mannequins which stand in for those involved. Welcome to The Swan Hotel. This evening, we take a ride up to the 8th floor and follow our noses to room 813. Inside, searched through the haze of simulated smoke and ash and sift through the seared pages of mediocrity littering the floor. Welcome to Bel Air's Hotel La Costa and the source of tonight's narrative. Scene, daytime, 1950. A humble duplex nestled amidst the quiet residential escape of a Los Angeles suburb. And inside sits a struggling screenwriter named Simon Herschel, toiling away at his latest opus. Twenty years old and with a raw-boned physique, Simon lived with his vexatious mother and breathed every breath of every day into his dream of a big-time Hollywood option. Sam stares down to the bottom of the ravine where he finds the maimed body of Elizabeth Vanderbilt, young officer. Ugh, lift operator said she hit every rock on the way down. Sure was a pretty little thing. Sam's eye catches the undelivered letter sticking out of her coat pocket. Young officer. Sarge? Sam snaps back to reality. Sam. You know, it's funny. Young officer. What's that, Sarge? Sam. The old man got what he always wanted. Young officer. Oh yeah, what's that? Sam. Time. And with this blood on his hands, he'll have all of a lifetime. Sam steps back from the edge and walks right past the sobbing husband, without even as much as a glance. He searches his jacket for his remaining cigarette and begins the lonely walk down the mountain. The end. 
Simon Herschel, you just punched your ticket. This one's for you, Mr. Haskell. Simon? Damn, I'm late. Simon? I'm sorry, Mama. I, I gotta go to work. I'll see you tonight. Tonight? I told you I'm meeting Helen at the diner. Gallivanting all over town with some floozy. Mama, she's not a floozy. She's a nice girl. Nice girls don't run around with boys. Mama, I'm a grown man. Miss Hayden from the beauty parlor says she sees her traipsing all over town with Lord knows how many boys. At the drive-in, at the fair, on one of those boat rides. You know what they do on those boat rides, don't you? They certainly don't look at the scenery. I gotta go, Mama. I'll see you tonight. And stop listening to those women at the beauty shop. A man of letters by night, Simon was a gopher by day. A glorified errand boy that hopped to a bell for the less than swanky Hotel La Costa. Simon, the bellboy. Hey, Frank, how's that stomach? <laughs> Had me up all night. You gotta lay off the sweets, pal. Though I must say that is the perfect shade of green on you. Oh, hey, Frank. Say, if you see Mr. Greenwich, do me a favor. Don't tell him I was late. I, I can't take any more of that insufferable yammering he calls motivation. Thanks, buddy. <clears throat> uh, morning, Mr. Greenwich. Mr. Herschel, I keep hoping one of these mornings you'll surprise me. And flare up that old ticker of yours? I wouldn't dream of it. Tell, tell me something, Barney. May I call you Barney? It's Barnabas. Tell me, Barnes. Why do you put up such a fuss over this crummy little place? I mean, you strut around here like you're running the Taft. Not all of us are blessed with your insouciant outlook, Mr. Herschel. Oh, how I'm gonna miss that sense of humor when I hit the big times. Yes, well until then, it's still small potatoes for you. <laughs> Make jokes while you can, Barnes. My ship's coming to dock. Mr. Herschel, if I were in your shoes, I wouldn't get on that ship without a life preserver. And let's try to be on time from now on, huh? Can you believe that guy? Hello, Judy. Now don't hang up. Is Mr. Carlson in yet? I figured it's still early. Any word from inside? Well, you can't blame a guy for trying. No, 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 don't do that. I don't want to get you in trouble. Just let me know when he gets in, all right? Thanks, Judy. Simon, what, what are you doing? Hey, Frank, let me take over for a while. I'm expecting a phone call. Yeah, what call? Never mind that. Look, get lost. This isn't another one of your studio calls, is it? When are you going to wake up, Simon? Nobody of any importance ever came out of here. Mr. Greenwich sees of that. I'll have you know Dick Haskell stayed here when he was riding a lunch with Mrs. Scarsdale. I know, roommate 13. We all know. You remind us every day. Well, all right then. Now you gonna help me? Hmm, I suddenly seem to recall 39 cents for a salt pork sandwich owed to me. All right, I see. Salt pork sandwich. There you go. There's your 39 cents. Now get out of here, would you? What about Mr. Greenwich? Let me worry about old Barnabas. Yeah, but what if he gets upset? 
I can't talk to him the way you do. Remember the last time I let you watch the desk and that woman came- Listen, is all you do recall and remember? Look, leave the swine to me. Simon Herschel. Yes, sir. Yes, this is the Hotel Acosta. This Friday. Uh, well, I'll have to check the book. Problem is, I just threw it out. Simon Herschel. Oh, it's you again. Yes, sir. I, I believe we did get disconnected. It must be squirrels on the wires. Well, that depends on your definition of cracking wise, sir. Yes, I did say I was going to check the book. Friday? Well, truth of it is, sir, the book's on lunch, and I'm afraid he won't be back until his hour's up. You best try again later. I'm sorry, sir. I just spoke with the book, and it's seven days on an African safari for him. I'd be happy to take a message. Oh, Mr. Carlson, good morning. Uh, how do you do, sir? Oh, that, th that was nothing, sir. Just running some lines. Listen, I've been thinking about what you said, and I absolutely agree. More internal conflict. I felt like there was already enough, and with the subtext, well, I guess I felt like we'd be gilding the lily, if you know what I mean. But I guess that's why you're sitting where you are, and I'm... I'm sorry? How's that? You're passing, but uh, I just finished the rewrite. You haven't even seen it yet. Then how can you say... If you just take a look, you'll see that I... When was this? Well, that's really not fair, especially since we just sat down for the first time two days ago. I'm sorry, but this is coming at me pretty fast. I guess I'm a bit confused. I thought... Yes, sir, you made that very clear, but why... No, I don't mean to question your authority. Mr. Carlson, tell me what you want. If there's something I didn't do, if, if I didn't present myself a certain way, t tell me right now and I'll do it. Look, I know I'm green, but don't hold that against me. I'll adapt. You want me to push the romance angle? Done. M Mr. Carlson, please, please don't do this. You're not being fair. I've worked too hard and waited too long for you to just rip this away from me. <sighs> Listen... I'll make the changes. I've already caved on the courtroom scene. If you'll just give it a read. Why are you doing this to me? Everything was going so smoothly. Stop saying no. Why do you keep saying that? Hello, Mr. Carson? Mr. Carson? Hello? Coffee, pal? Yeah. Say, you guys got a telephone back there I could use? No, but there's a payphone outside. Never mind that. My call just walked in. Keep them coming, would you? 
Hi, sweetheart. Hi. Here, let me take your coat. Let's grab the booth in the corner. Boy, are these tired eyes glad to see you. <laughs> yeah? You want some coffee? Oh, no, that's right. You don't drink coffee. Uh, maybe you want a soda. How about some food? Uh, this place, uh, they got a great meatloaf. Comes with black-eyed peas and a hot roll. Simon. They passed. What did they say? Who knows? You, these guys, you know... Well, what was the reason? I don't know. Okay. Okay. It'll be fine. You can take that position at the department store like we talked about. You'll be making twice the salary, and after a while, you can move up. Helen, now, I didn't agree to that. That was your plan, remember? You cooked that up. I didn't say I... No, no, no I, I got a career. Simon. Simon, Simon. It'll be fine, you'll see. Uh, Helen, it was so close. God, I could taste it. Everything was falling into place. I could see myself breaking free of my mother and us up on the hill in a big mansion. It, it was happening. You promised me that things were going to change. You were going to make an effort. For us. And I am. Hey, lift your head. I'll think of something. We don't need that old goat in his crummy two-bit operation anyhow. You think Dick Haskell didn't have to jump through a few hoops? Postpone a few engagements? There's a million other studios. And when you're holding onto a script that's as good as Blood Mountain, why those gates will just swing open so fast, it'll kick the dirt right off your ears. Simon, I think we, I think that we need to take some time. For what? Reevaluate things. What do you mean? It's not going to happen, Simon. I just need a little more time, that's all. I mean, look, I got one meeting, I can get another. Yeah, and until then... Listen, it's going to bust wide open, Helen. Believe me. I know I always say that, but this time's different. I got my nose in the door. They got my number. Oh, they got your number, all right. What, what is that supposed to mean? You've gone down every avenue in town, harassed every producer and secretary. Pinnacle. What? Pinnacle Pictures. Why didn't I think of that before? Here we go. No, now listen. I passed along a couple of pages to a producer when he came into the hotel the other day. Do you hear yourself, Simon? Helen, you have to trust me. I've shown as much faith as I can muster. I'm so close. Simon, you're drowning in a fantasy and pulling me under. I just think maybe we should take some time apart. No, 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 no. I think it would be best for both of us. Helen, this isn't the answer. Then tell me, Simon, what is the answer? Spending your days deluding yourself? Trying to start a family with wishings and what ifs? Damn it, Helen, don't do this! I'm exhausted, Simon. This, this is exhausting. Now is the worst possible time for this. Don't do this to me. I need you. You don't need anybody. Helen. Helen!
Hello? Who's there? It's me, Mama. Simon, where have you been? I told you, Mama, the diner. Malts and skirts, huh? Chasing girls instead of taking care of me like a good boy. The telephone has been ringing incessantly. Don't answer it, Mama. It's just collectors. Oh, how miserably hot it was today. Simply unbearable. Pinnacle. I spent all day in the tub. My fingers and toes look like raisins. I'm sure to shrivel up like a prune. Dear Mr. Herschel, thank you for the sampling from your original work, Blood Mountain. Your submission was compelling and extremely entertaining. Unfortunately, we've decided to limit the number of projects we take on this year. We hope that a spot opens up in the upcoming calendar months and encourage you to put all your efforts into treatments. Until then, keep up the fine work and we'll see you at the pictures. Sincerely, everybody else. Simon, it's so hot. Come put my petticoat in the icebox and bring me a soda with a tall glass of ice and bring the fan into the bathroom. I fear I'm in danger of fainting at any moment. Did you hear me, Simon? Coming, Mama. Bring the cord into the kitchen. Set it next to the radio. Yes, Mama. Malts and skirts and a head in the clouds while I'm left wasting away in this heat. Tromping up and down the street making love to strange girls. Lewd thoughts in an unclean mind. Why can't you be a good boy? And when you are here, you lock yourself in that room with that infernal round-the-clock hammering on those keys. confounded nuisance. Maddening pitter-patter. Maybe you want to drive me mad. Is that it? Drive me mad so they'll come and take me away. And when I'm gone, bring that floozy into my house, huh? Play your records at all hours of the night. And after the record stops, what then, huh? I won't have that revolting behavior in my house, not while I'm alive. And hurry up with that ice, I'm withering away. Simon? Simon? I swear that boy will be the death of me. Simon? Huh. Now, where do you suppose that boy ran off to?
Hey, Simon, some guy called and said you made a jerk out of him. Mr. Greenwich was looking for you. I told him you left. What are you doing here, anyway? Simon? Hey, Simon, what gives? Ah, Mr. Herschel, how nice of you to stop by. Might I have a word with you? Now's not a good time. Listen, Simon, I know you don't respect me, and that's okay. Frankly, I don't respect you. I think you're a delinquent, an agitator, an ill-mannered varlet with contempt for work and responsibility. I like you too, Barnes. Hey, wait. Where are you going? Simon? Simon? Well, Mr. Haskell, can't say I didn't try. Then again, when has tried for many things in this town? You had what it took. A real mover. Hell, the only thing I ever moved was a stack of papers. Papers tattooed with worthless bunk. Case in point. Ought to make for a nice fire, though. Sam crouched over the young woman's body. Sam, V.O. I knew that this dame's blood, the blood slowly creeping its way over to my freshly polished wingtip Zetzlers, would soon be on me. Insert. Blood slowly snakes along the ruts in the sidewalk, headed for Sam's shoes. Sam, V.O., and in more ways than one. I knew that the only thing exonerating me from this still warm flash in the pan was sitting safely in that envelope I asked her sister Beth to deliver. A claim with someone else's signature, and a stamp from the Sunshine All Risk Insurance Company. Sam's face says it all. Sam, V.O., remind me to take that kid dancing when she gets back. She'll need some cheering up. I must remember to change my shoes, though. Or wipe them off, at least. Insert. The blood begins to pool around Sam's shoes. The score swells. It fade to black. <laughs> How do you like that? I can't even kill myself. First time my foolishness paid off. Kept me from doing something stupid. Message received, Mr. Haskell. Message received. You're such a klutz, Simon. You know that. A real klutz. You certainly know Sam Snell, that's for sure. Or Dick Haskell, for that matter. Real tough guy you are. Look at you. You don't even know how to load a gun. The projected dreams of a never was, now in flames. There's an old saying, best is the enemy of good. And in the case of Simon Herschel, good was measured in idols and success and predetermined by a partial jury called the Hollywood system. 
Weeks after the incident, word of Herschel's story got out and soon every producer in town was clamoring for the rights and every young and eager writer wanted the job. In the end, Pinnacle Pictures took the honor and by the start of the following year released their multi-award winning picture, Two Rings for the Bellboy. Screenwriter Calvin Caswell received a Golden Pin Award for his script and Eugene Fisher was given several nominations for his portrayal of Simon Herschel. In The Swan's Room 813, guests are treated to the charred remains of the Hotel La Costa's eighth floor. The walls and ceiling are blackened and the carpet singed. On the floor are scorched pages from the original work Blood Mountain, and in the center of the room, a mannequin of its author, with a replica 38 in his hand. And on the top of every hour, a harmless, odorless vapor is pushed through the vents to simulate smoke. Simon Herschel, when good followed in the footsteps of best and lost its way. Another hard lesson from that dream factory on the hill, the Swan Hotel. Tales from the Swan Hotel is written and directed by Thaddeus Ellenberg and produced by Will Scovel. Tonight's episode starred Drew Platt as Simon Herschel, Shelley Lynn Johnson as Mrs. Herschel, Joe Higgins as Mr. Greenwich, Thaddeus Ellenberg as Frank, Kaylee Quick as Helen, and I'm Ron Chapman. Original theme by Nick Stargue, artwork by Justin Devine. Tales from the Swan Hotel is independently produced by Will Scovel and Thaddeus Ellenberg. You can find more episodes and help the show by rating and reviewing us on iTunes and Stitcher, or leaving a comment on SoundCloud. <laughs>